10 News Conference. It continues now with Massachusetts Attorney General Maura Healey, the Democrat nominee running for governor. Good morning, Maura. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. It's great to be with you. Yeah, we appreciate it. Well, let's get right into it. It's a headline almost every morning, including this morning, the rising energy costs for both electricity and gas. If governor, what's your plan to help the average consumer and especially small business owners too already feeling the pinch? Well, first of all, I am really worried about this for residents and for our businesses and, our, and for our small businesses. This is a, a huge issue that we're going to be facing this winter and things are already really challenging for so many right now in terms of the cost of housing, cost of childcare, cost of gas, groceries, and now you add on what we're gonna see in terms of higher electricity and gas bills. So here's what I have done already. I've reached out to the utilities and asked them for help on payment plans that can reduce the costs for our businesses and residents. Residents should, should be reaching out, talking to their utilities about getting on payment plans. I support what Governor Baker and the New England governors have done in asking the Biden administration for help with heating assistance. Some money has already come in. I know in Massachusetts, we've got about $40 million that's just come in from Congress towards that. And we need to continue as a region, the Northeast, to ask for more. And then long term, we've got to do uh, all we can to make sure that we are buying energy at the most efficient price possible. We don't want to be subject to the wilds of what's happening in the worldwide gas market. And unfortunately, that's some of what we're dealing with right now. Sports betting, too. I'm going to go kind of topic by topic with you um, to be efficient. Sports betting this week. It's in the news. The Gaming Commission discussing licensing of the base day taxes and whether in-person and mobile betting should launch at the same time. It's been a big revenue winner for Rhode Island. What do you think in Massachusetts? I support sports betting, um, you know, and I'm, I'm looking forward to see what the commission in Massachusetts here does, but it, it's clear it's here. And I think that the important thing is making sure that everybody's heard and everybody's represented all the stakeholders in this conversation. So I look forward to more developments, but sports betting is here to stay. On schools, a shooting this week outside of school in Dorchester. Do you think more schools need to be tightened up and should there be more investments and more social and emotional learning programming in the public schools? Anytime you see gun violence in a home, in a community, and certainly in a school, in a school it's, it's so, so upsetting. And I think that what we need to do is a few things. One, invest in those violence prevention programs, uh, particularly those directed at our young people. What is going on in terms of after school programming and the like, in terms of activities? That's really, really important to the focus on mental health and wellness and well-being, especially for our young people. Um, that continues to be something that we've really got to prioritize. And that's work that needs to happen both in school and outside of school. And three, we need to con continue to enforce gun laws here in, in Massachusetts and in the region. Um, it's one way that that we reduce gun violence, but I think the, the focus has to be on what are the, the root causes of this violence, particularly when we see it happening in a school or in a playground, there's a lot going on there. And so let's get at those kids, let's intervene, and let's give them the support so that we prevent future acts of violence. That I would imagine has to do with affordable housing, which is a big topic right now. And that brings us into my next question for you. One in 10 people in Bristol County right now are living in poverty. That's according to the Census Bureau. That's nearly two in 10 in New Bedford and Fall River too. So as governor, if elected, what would you do about that right now? 
First of all, I'm a governor who understands and supports and champions the South Coast. Uh, recently, when I went after the opioid manufacturers, I am putting $50 million of that money directly into programming for New Bedford and Fall River around recovery and treatment and care. Um, I have over the years supported efforts to rehab properties and, and fix up neighborhoods in, uh, in Bristol County. Basically, you need to have a governor who understands the needs of Bristol County and you hit the nail on the head. Right now, it's housing. It's housing, housing, housing. And we need to grow the availability of housing. I mean, with housing costs topping half um, half a million dollars in Bristol County, and yet the medium income is, is still around $50,000, $60,000, we've got to do more. And so we need way more uh, housing units. We need to make sure we have housing located near transportation as well. And we need to find ways to get money directly to our cities and towns and give them the resources that they need. And my teammate in this, uh, the Lieutenant Governor to be, I hope, is Kim Driscoll, who's a mayor of Salem. And she understands also how important it is to get that money right to our cities and towns so that they can make the investments that they need. Final thought on housing. We also need to, to find a way to support rents right now because too many people are being priced out. And so what are the programs that we need to support for rental assistance, for down payment assistance and the like, in addition to building out boatloads of new housing units across Bristol County and beyond? Talking about revenue, the state did receive some revenue from some of the settlements with the uh, opioid epidemic. It appears deadly and illicit fentanyl is pretty much everywhere despite that. How would your role shift from prosecuting those who you see as largely responsible um, as your role from attorney general? How would you shift that as being a governor? I'm sure you'd want to invest in more recovery programs, but what else can you do? What other steps can you take as governor that you perhaps were limited in your last role, your current role? Well, you know, as attorney general, I didn't see any limits, actually. And we found ways to provide Narcan out to first responders to make sure that we were supporting with funding that we recovered from going after these these bad guys, uh, money for recovery, for harm reduction, for prevention. I will tell you that as governor, um, that is only going to continue. And I will double down and make sure that across our state agencies, we are finding ways to support our cities and towns, specifically with the treatment options that they have, with services for substance use disorder, with services for housing. You know, we're never going to solve the uh, addiction crisis that we have in this region until we invest also in long-term housing for those in recovery. All of this ties together. And I think as governor, you've got to come at it from the health and human services perspective. You've got to come at it from the housing perspective. And overall, you've got to make it something that every agency has on their radar because fundamentally, we're not going to have healthy communities unless our family members and loved ones are healthy and have a path and access to beds, to treatment, and to long-term housing. And while we have done an awful lot of work in this region on this issue, obviously overdoses continue to, to be out there. People continue to suffer. I made it a top priority early as attorney general, and I will make it a top priority as governor. Balance of power. Let me ask you about this. If elected, the Democrats will pretty much be in control of the base state, right? Both in the corner office and the legislature. Some think perhaps that's too much. So how do you still see the needs of all voters if that were to happen? 
Well, you know, I'm somebody who never imagined being a politician. And I just sort of happened into this because of my work in the attorney general's office. It's what led me, inspired me to run to be attorney general. And I don't even think in terms of party. I think about delivering results and meeting people where they are, meeting our small businesses where they are, and figuring out the ways to solve problems. Um, I'm not beholden to anybody. I have a record of standing up to powerful interests and forces. And I can tell you as governor, I'm just going to do whatever I think is right. And in my judgment, in the best interests of the people that I'm elected to serve. The movement to defund police departments, that was a big deal about a year ago. That movement seems to be kind of slowing down. I want to ask you where you stand on that. It was wrongheaded. I mean, we need to be funding police officers and police departments. As attorney general, I was proud to always stand behind legislation that provided more resources and support to police. We also have to recognize a crisis that we have in policing. We don't have enough police officers. So what can we do to attract and train and, and recruit and maintain police officers in departments. That's a real issue for, for all of us as a matter of public safety. So I have always been a strong supporter of funding for police and for our departments. So perhaps even more funding for police departments? I think it's necessary because okay. right now departments are lacking recruits. I mean, they don't have enough uh, men and women are working overtime after overtime shift and, and forced on because they just don't have enough bodies to cover all the work that's out there. So we need money to make sure that we are recruiting people into academies and police departments. And also you have to recognize the nature of policing has changed. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many calls for domestic violence situations or for overdoses or for mental health issues? And our men and women in blue need to have the resources and the training to be able to, to deal with these situations. And so, you know, I just think we, we need to focus there and also the mental health, the mental health of our first responders. We need to make sure that they, as the people responsible for caring for the rest of us, are getting access to the mental health services, the wellness services that they so desperately need, witnessing what they witness in their line of work. Absolutely. Toxic stress is a big problem that we know about from first responders, too. Let's move right along to student loan forgiveness. This is big right now, too. It's kind of a mess with the current administration. Who gets it? Who doesn't? Do you want to see some sort of student loan forgiveness on a state level? And if so, for who and how? <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, it's unfortunate that this has become political because, honest to God, I've been working for eight years going after some of these predatory for-profit schools or loan servicers that were really raking it in and taking advantage of, of student borrowers who were vulnerable. We need to have loan forgiveness um, out there. We need to have programs for that. I mean, think about how people are being held back right now with student loan debt. And I'm not talking about people in their 20s or 30s. I'm talking about people in their 50s and 60s. So we've got to figure out a way to provide some relief, including for those who've chosen to go into public service jobs or public interest jobs. So there's a sensible way to do this without giving away the store and writing everything off. I'm not for that. I am, though, strongly for a program to provide relief to students because it holds it holds us all back. So it's about compromise. So how would you describe yourself then today as a Democrat when the party seems to be split between so-called progressives and conservatives? Where would you describe yourself on that spectrum, if you can? 
Oh, you know, I, I get this question. I don't. <laughs> I know, and it's know. labels and all it's, of that, but people care yeah, about this. And, and, and I'm just me, you know, for better yeah. or worse, I'm Maura Healy. Um, I think I'm strong on my principles. I mean, strong, strong in, in pro-choice and protecting the environment and standing up for those who are vulnerable. Um, I also think I'm a person of compromise. You know, I played basketball and my uh, role on, on the court was that of point guard. And you really have to get everybody working together. And that's how I view governance. That's how I view leadership. Uh, I'll be strong on my principles and standing up for for things that I that I deeply believe in. But to solve the urgent problems of today, no matter where where you are in the party or your views, we've got to be working together to deal with affordability and housing and transportation and climate change and the like. And that's the kind of spirit that that I want to bring to to this endeavor. Should I be privileged? enough to be elected governor. And you're running as a team, which is different from Rhode Island, where the lieutenant governor and governor, I mean, they're kind of running together this year, but traditionally they don't, and legally they don't. But how can you pitch it to your um, your constituents out here as far as your lieutenant governor goes? You brought up Kim Driscoll. Why her? Why now? Why with you? Kim Driscoll is a can-do, action-oriented person. She also played ball at Salem State, and I like that. Uh, but she has been, most importantly, an incredibly successful mayor in the city of Salem. And what she's done for economic development, housing, creation of jobs in Salem is something that is really exciting to think about as we think about both Bristol County, the South Coast, and across this state, what's possible. And more than anything, um, I think Kim and I share the view that we're here to get the work done. We're here to work with people at the, the local, state, and federal level, with business community, with our nonprofit community. We're just about getting things done. And I think that's what excites me most. Um, the state and the country has never seen two women either elected, mm -hmm. one and two. In uh, in these positions, and so, so you might I think be making that's exciting too. Again. I think it's I think it's our time, um, and I think that more than anything, our resumes show that we have the experience and the competence to lead right now. I want to end on kind of a lighter note. You're from a big family. You mentioned you're an avid basketball player in college too. What else, Mora, personally motivates you in your free time in the state? Like, where can we find you this weekend? What are you doing <laughs> besides campaigning? <laughs> oh God, yeah, I mean, this weekend, I'm sure, I don't know, the team hasn't told me, it'll be out at different campaign events, but you know, um, I love going to watch my nieces and nephew play their, their ball games and sports on the weekend. I love going to flea markets, bookstores. I love going to the grocery store. I mean, I'm pretty basic in terms of what I like to do. I think that I love to spend time outdoors too, um, in the woods and taking in. We're so lucky here in New England. No matter what season it is, we have the opportunity to, to get outdoors and and, uh, and and the like. So that's a little bit about uh, who I am. I'm certainly turning from... Red Sox uh, season into into Celtics season right now. I've done my my mind shift sure. there. I mean, hope um hope we can have better with the with, with that season. But um, you know, I hopefully we'll have a chance over the next five weeks to bump into as many people as possible and love to continue to hear what's on the minds of people in our region. That sounds good. All right. Well, we thank you for your time.